Do I eat crappy or do I eat good? Those signals actually key the genes into turning on certain pathways. So it's not the fact that you have the cancer gene. It's the fact that what are the signals coming in that might turn those things on to the point that are going to cause issues. And so that's the big game changer that we're talking about here. Hey, everybody. My name is Josh Remini. I am the pharmacist that de-prescribes drugs by giving people health and wellness tips, tricks, hacks to moving their health from maybe not so good to vibrant. Follow along if you're ready to go beyond the pills. Hello and welcome to the Beyond the Pills podcast. This is Hector Santiasteban and, and welcome to today's first episode. This is going to be a little bit different because usually the show is going to be hosted by our wonderful host, Josh Rimini. And we're going to get into and introduce him in a little bit. But I'm going to slowly disappear into the background over these next few episodes as Josh takes over. But we thought that this would be a, a great opportunity to introduce Josh, who is the anti-pharmacist, who you're going to get to know over this next little bit. But Josh, thanks so much for putting the show together. And thanks so much for doing all of this, man. It's, it's exciting to be here today. Passion, right? This is beyond the pills. So it's me. It's it's what I do. It's what I am. It's who I am. It's everything I want to be is the pharmacist that de-prescribes drugs. You know, looking at it from that perspective is I can be more happy. Like this is going to be an awesome year working this through and doing this, this, this passion project turning into something that's creatable. My, my goal is to de-prescribe a million medications. And this is a good step forward in that direction. What is the idea of the anti-pharmacist? You opened up a, a speech you gave recently saying that you are the, you're kind of like the anti-pharmacist pharmacist. What does that mean? Yeah, I guess it's, it's really the culmination of my life journey and what I've done in my career. I'm a cancer survivor first. You know, that's what got me into medicine. I guess we can back up and say, like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Right? Because not all pharmacists go to let's just say the other side and, and getting people off medications. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But I had cancer when I was 16. I had leukemia. I had about 50% chance of life. And I had three and a half years of chemotherapy and radiation. So that really got me in tune with all the concoctions of medications. And, and literally, I got of course, I got I came out on the good end of that. I'm still here. I'm alive. And I have great children and I have all, all that type of stuff. But that's what got me into healthcare, right? What I thought was, hey, somebody cured me, I want to cure them with medicine. And so I got into that world of saying, well, let me, let me learn a little bit more about these medications that they're putting in this yellow and red, like concoctions that were basically told me to kill me before they brought me back. And so I came around, I got in remission, I got cured. And I really wanted to move that forward. I wanted to help other people like people had helped me. And so I went to pharmacy school to learn more about the chemistry and the biology and the biochemistry and stuff like that. And I became a pharmacist. And then over the period of 10-ish years of practicing as a pharmacist, I started to realize that prescriptions, at least from a chronic condition, my scenario as a cancer patient and survivor you know, the drugs or what I thought at the time was the concoctions, the things on my outside world that came in were really, um, they helped me, they cured me, they, they got me in remission, they killed the cancer. But moving my profession forward as a pharmacist over a period of 10, 15 years, I was 
treating chronic conditions with medications, but I wasn't getting to the root cause. In other words, their conditions weren't going away. The drugs were simply masking the symptom. I'd love to go back to you're 16, and I'd imagine that you're thrown into a new world, right? Or you're at least given these new set of options here. Or a, and and one of them would obviously be to you know accept your your kind of diagnosis and kind of take the let's call it for lack of a better term the prescribed route. But it seemed like at that moment something started to shift or something like I'd I'd love to go back to 16 year old you know, hyper-intelligent, probably Josh, who's sitting there trying to to really wrestle and, and find solutions. What do you see happening today or in your practice or in some of the things that we're going to talk about that maybe started back, you know, when you were 16? Great, great question. Some of the aha moments, right, is what I was hearing. Like, first piece, when you get diagnosed with cancer and you, you're, I was misdiagnosed for three months. So, just think about how leukemia cells, you know, all cancer cells are, this is like oncology 101 for people, but like all cancer cells are immature cells. They don't, they don't mature to maturity and they're not functioning to the body and they overproduce and they become produced. So leukemia is in the bone marrow. For six months, I was misdiagnosed and leukemia was just growing in my bone marrow. So basically my bones were expanding. You can just imagine what that feels like from the inside out. And so when I got diagnosed, I was pretty much on life's door. I right? like I was in the hospital for 91 days. I'm 5'10, 155 pounds now at my ideal weight. I ended up becoming 109 pounds. So you think about a 5'10 guy, you know, pretty fit all the way down to 109. Long story short, I was on death's door. And so when I got diagnosed, it was almost like we didn't really have a choice. It was just whatever was going to come at us. We just had to do it. But at the time, you know, once I got through that sort of 91 days in the hospital induction therapy, all right, we've saved you. Now we got to go into maintenance phase. And that was the three and a half year process for me. And I'd love to do a whole podcast just on that experience because I think it's really important. But what what happened in the in, in the beginning space was you just had to do what you needed to do, right? I always say like, you know, there was a reason I had cancer. And it was one of those reasons is to be empathetic to others of the same. My cancer survivors, cancer patients are near and dear to my heart. I, I do a lot with charities with that work and stuff like that. I've ridden my bike a hundred miles three to five times for leukemia and things like that. But the beginning piece was you have to do what it takes. And that's always been sort of my mantra and my, my MO of my past self, especially is you just got to do what it takes. And so getting blasted with chemotherapy and radiation that I knew was going to make me sick and puke my brains out and all that stuff for that period of time. There was always some like fear behind that or like, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? But my mindset was I do what they tell me and I'll be good. And I think that mindset piece, I didn't know it at the time, but now I do like now I know the science and that's part of the reason why we're going to go into this beyond the pills approach is the body's ability to cure itself. And that's a really big piece. And a lot of it has to do with your belief system and your mindset. Similar to the placebo effect, 30% of people get well with a sugar pill with no active ingredient. And pharma likes to say, well, that's a placebo effect. We don't know what that is. But in truth is, the placebo effect is the body and the mind doing 
and making its own chemicals and its own pharmacy to get over that thing that the drug was intended for. So pharma discounts it, but I count it. I want that belief system in place for people that says you can become your own pharmacy. You can cure your own conditions. And so for me, maybe that's kind of what it was. It was like the belief system was there that whatever they were doing to me was going to work. And all I had to do was show up and do the work, right? Do what they told me to do, which I did because in this day and age, we have integrative health, we have functional medicine, we have all these modalities that are beyond just prescriptions. That wasn't presented to me at the time. It was just do the radiation, do the chemotherapy, eat whatever you feel is good for you because you don't have an appetite. So none of that food is medicine, mindfulness, all the things we're going to talk about that I think is really, really crucial to people's health and well-being. None of that was really presented to me. So I kind of feel like I got lucky, but at the same time, I think it had to do a lot with my mindset. And I think that was the beginning piece to that. So you mentioned one thing, which is doing what you're told and, and expecting that that's going to work out. Now, if you guys haven't, your listeners haven't caught on the, the, the premise of the show is that that's not really the case, right? Because right. I think there's so many prescriptions going on, but there's no health, right? You can explain it much better than I can. You, you've explained it to me in, in you know very eloquently, which is that the, the current system is not working. So I think that hopefully people have picked up on that that's maybe not the case. Can you expand on how that how that came to be or how you kind of have, have learned that, that that's not really the case? Well, yeah, I think it's kind of like for me with, with my own health journey was I was told that the drugs were going to fix me. There's an 80% cure rate for leukemia if I did what they were told. But I think by accident, my belief system is really what created a lot of that process and the underlying thing. So I call it the pill for the ill approach to medicine, right? You go to the doctor, he diagnoses you with a thing that they can bill the insurance for an ICD-10 code. Let's just say it's depression. And then he's been trained, classically trained, like, you know, number one disclaimer of this show is we're not discounting traditional medicine at all. It's It's got a purpose, but I don't think that's everything. And so this pill for the ill approach to medicine is you have a thing, the doctor tells you what you have, and then he tells you what drug or what pharmaceutical is designed to treat that condition. But in fact, if you really think about that is, does it really treat the condition, the chronic? And we're talking chronic, like acute, you get pneumonia, you have an antibiotic, it kills the bad bacteria, kills some of the good stuff too. We know that now. And then you get over it, right? And so antivirals are in there now and things like that with the pandemic. But like, that's acute care. What we're talking about here is chronic care, chronic conditions like blood pressure, depression, anxiety, diabetes, things like that. So you take a drug for a chronic condition, but what does it really do? The mechanism behind it is it really masks the symptom of the disease, not the cause. So it treats some of the downstream effects of what's happening in the system. But we're, we're taught pharma spends lots of money on this. You see the commercials. We're, we're one of two countries in the world that still can advertise drugs on TV. There's one other country, I forget it's Finland or it's one of those countries out there 
but they're highly regulated. So we're taught and we're marketed to in a really different way that says, you have a problem, take a drug. And that drug's going to fix you. But in, if, if you really think about it, it's only masking the symptom. It's never getting to the root cause of the problem, which is really where my transition started when, as a pharmacist. And we're, we're fast forwarding pharmacy school, getting into pharmacy and really paying attention. I filled thousands upon thousands of prescriptions as a pharmacist, right? I, I've been in community pharmacy since I was 16 years old. So that's a, you know, a, a 30 year journey for me. But what happens is these chronic conditions, you can name any one of them is they mask the symptom. So there's never really any disease progression that gets better. In fact, if you listen to some of the stuff I've already done and things like that is in fact, it, things generally get worse over time. As a pharmacist, I just see more drugs get piled on. And of course, Let's say you have blood sugar issues and you're pre-diabetes and the doctor gives you metformin or some blood sugar medicine. He says, all right, you should eat right and exercise and you should take this medication and I'll see you in six months, right? So they might do some labs, A1Cs, blood glucose, stuff like that. But what generally happens is we're taught, well, the drug will fix me. So what normally can happen is did we eat right or exercise? No, we just took the drug. We came back in six months. We didn't get where we wanted. The markers weren't great. So the doctor will add another drug. He won't, uh, he won't effectively look at lifestyle and the nutrient balance and the foods that we're eating to really affect the chronic condition. That's, that's out of their scope of practice because they don't think they're health coaches or lifestyle coaches or nutritionists. The doctor is generally designed to, to diagnose the symptom. They're really good at that. Diagnose the symptoms into a condition and then treat it. And then generally, they're trained. I'm not. I'm just generalizing here. There's a lot of good doctors, right? right? I, I have plenty of friends that are physicians, but generally, their scope is what can I prescribe you? What can I put on a piece of paper that you can bring to the pharmacy, and then that person can take, and then that fixes them. So. Long of the short is I learned over time uh, through observation that this just wasn't enough for me. It wasn't satisfactory for me. So I, I started learning and figuring out more of the why. What's really going on here? Which led me to all the modalities that I've learned today that we'll go over. Josh, a lot of people might think that maybe there is a big conspiracy or a big, you know, something keeping people unhealthy right? What do you think that is? And how can people kind of step outside of that? Because I think that there is a shift that needs to happen, right? When, for people to be open to what is traditionally, I think, been called like alternative medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And I think alternative has always been something that comes along with that, right? That right. word is kind of a loaded term. You know? yep. and so for someone who's maybe a little more conservative or wants to take their health, quote unquote, seriously, or doesn't want to mess around or, you know, how... I would imagine that even someone listening to the show, how might they explain some of this to a family member or a friend who who's on the outside of it? Great question, because the, the, what we're going to talk about and the premise of this podcast is what else is there, right? If nobody wants to be locked into, no, that I know of, is you have something, you take a medication for it, and generally the doctor doesn't fix what's not broken. So who wants to be on a medication for the rest of their life? 
And so this pill for the ill approach sort of traps us into believing that pills are the only way to fix my condition. When in fact, if you have a chronic condition, I'm a big 80-20 guy. So let's just call it 80% of the time. You know, we're not talking cancer or these type of things. But if you have a chronic condition, it's a lifestyle problem. Mostly. You know, we're not shaming anybody into their lifestyle. But if you talk about functional medicine or integrative medicine or holistic medicine, it really talks about the foundational things that are needed. And what I love going down rabbit holes and a lot of the topics of conversation in this podcast are going to be, what are the non-prescription things that I can do that are low cost or no cost that are going to help and fix these conditions? And everybody's individual and unique. So it's not like a one size fits all. Oh, if you just breathe this way, you're fine, right? Or if you eat this way, you're fine. Fads come out. So it's not really, it's a holistic or a not holistic approach. I think medications are useful when we've gotten to a continuum in our health that's so dysfunctional, we have to pull it back. But so there's a a continuation of, we talked about this earlier is what decade of life you're in sort of disc dictates kind of a little bit about what's going on because someone in their twenties listening is going to have a very different health profile. Most of the time we always generalize here, right? Then a 60 year old or 50 year old, like I'm coming up on my fifth decade in a couple years. Right. And so my priorities are different, but also what's happened over time. And we're going to talk about longevity and epigenetics and things like that. But there is other things that we need to do. But the long of the short is if you have a chronic condition, there's a lifestyle component that's dysfunctional. And there's five key components to lifestyle that I think are really relevant for people to think about, right? Nutrition, what you eat, right? Food is medicine. If, if we do nothing on this podcast, we're going to be talking a lot about why food is the best medicine. So basically the good signals and the bad signals we put in our body. So we all kind of understand food, right? Exercise and movement. Both of those are really important. We can't just exercise. We also have to move. Sitting is the new smoking. I always tell my patients, if you don't get up and move regularly throughout the day, I'd rather you smoke a pack of cigarettes. Of course, I'm kidding, but that's really what we're at. So nutritional focus, physical focus, exercise and movement, sleep, huge. We're going to be doing a big rabbit hole on why sleep is so important. Stress and well-being, that's another one, and relationships. So those are the five personal lifestyle modifiers that people really need to think about as it relates to their health and well-being. And we'll talk about those throughout these podcasts and really do into some really good stuff because none of those things have anything to do with medications. Those are all lifestyle adjustments that we all can make that all make a difference because they're additive. It's kind of like a bank account. You know, you don't become a millionaire overnight, but if you sock money away over time, it becomes very fruitful for you. And that the body keeps score, right? So that's the same thing we do. We want to put more good signals in and take more of the bad ones out. Now, Josh, two of the big reasons that I'd imagine someone comes to this show is that they're dealing with stress and anxiety, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's 2023 right now when we're recording this. So depending on when you're listening to this, you might be listening to this decades into the future and it'd be like, you know, who's not dealing with stress and anxiety? And then also aging right? The, the longevity, people are living longer and, and people are wanting to live 
healthier longer. Talk about why those two things are so prevalent right now in today's world. Well, maybe they're prevalent and maybe they're just the things that we're putting more attention on. I think as technology grows, as science grows, as we get better at these things, those are the two topics that are like of the best interest of mine and the big root of my lifelong journey and what I've learned, especially stress, right? Stress is a big component of this. I think there's more awareness and attention on it right now. And I always say COVID just put a little icing on the cake. If we all thought we were stressed to the max and then COVID hit, we all had a different level of what max was, right? So I think we went through this acute phase and we'll talk about that with the stress, but stress is 80% of chronic conditions are rooted around that one word because mental, physical stress on the body, emotional stress on the body, fight or flight, right? When we're running from the tiger, our bodies just weren't used to running from the tiger constantly. There's a a slew of chemical and physiochemical principles and and reactions that happen in the body. There's up to 1,400 of them, I think, that happens when you're stressed. And so chronic stress wreaks havoc on the body, and we'll talk about those imbalances. So I think there's an awareness piece now, and everybody understands that stress causes some imbalance in their system. And it's not just emotional stress, it's and it's how we handle that stress. So I've been a disciple of that word. Some people will say trauma now instead of the word stress, because I think we're understanding like all these programming that's happened in our childhood and things like that carries with us, which is why I've I've gone very densely into energy medicine and consciousness medicine, because that word stress has been the root cause of a lot of things that have happened to me over time and also a lot of other people. When we look at the buckets of well-being, emotional and well-being is one of the ones that I think people or medicine, current medicine, westernized medicine, modern medicine doesn't really have a big handle on, right? You can't go to the doctor and say, I'm stressed. And then he puts a code in there and says, well, here's the pill for stress, right? If everyone had that, we'd be great. So I think we all fundamentally understand that stress is is the root cause and it, it scientifically is. So why not get to the root root cause, which is let's, how do we hand it and ma- handle and manage that stuff? So those cascading events that happen like blood sugar dysregulation, fat around the belly, foggy brain, you could name all the symptoms of stress and what happens. People go to the what's like foggy brain. How do I fix it? Well, I'm not sleeping well. Well, I always ask how their stress is because that's the biggest piece. Longevity or what I say, living better longer, you think of the continuum of science and the continuum of technology. Well, technology and science has gotten exponential to this point where we are living longer. But medications, like we said before, are not the answer to that. Those mask symptoms, they don't make us live longer. In fact, a lot of them make us live less longer. If you look at the side effect profile of many medications, death is in one of them. Okay. So, medications don't solve the problem of longevity. It's lifestyle. Think about it. Blue zones. More often than outside of blue zones, people live to their hundreds, centenarians. They've studied these places like Okinawa, Japan. What do these people do 
that allows them to live to 100. Do they take medications? No, they have all those lifestyle modifiers under control. They got their diet nailed down, their sleep. They're not stressed. They have great relationships. They have communal things. And so all, all of the blue zones have something slightly a little different, but there's some commonalities and some theory that's been studied now. And so it all has to do back again with lifestyle. With science, though, that's ancient wisdom, right? Why are these places, how, why have they lived till 100 more often than not with people? Well, science is catching up to ancient wisdom, and I love blending the two together. I think that's my zone of genius, is science now says, what are the things that we can take, do, biohacking, supplements, epigenetics, how our genes interact with our environment? All those things are scientifically based stuff that allow us to get a hyper-personalized approach to medicine that's going to really move people towards living longer, better, quicker. And I think that's the blend here is really looking at what's happened. What have we done in the past that's really worked? A lot of ancient wisdom in medicine, like plant medicines and things like that. And then you're looking at, well, what science do? Our genetic DNA profile has been completely mapped. We can do a test now on all of the wellness things, lifestyle and supplements based on our genes. So I love blending those two together because that's a super nice sweet spot. What are some of your favorite methods of integrating this ancient wisdom and modern science? You talked about utilizing things like genetics or you know, mapping the genome. Are, are there any favorites that people can kind of look forward to or things we might talk about that are good examples of this that's already happening? Yeah, I think it's, it's one is simply consciousness, okay? Meditation, mindfulness, ancient Chinese, Ayurvedic medicine, all these mindfulness-based modalities that have been around for many, many thousands of years. We're now catching up to the science behind our westernized brains need to hear the science piece. We can't just say, well, people have been meditating for thousands of years and they've had better longevity. That's kind of like I know of. Yeah, I know of that. Yeah, but it doesn't really re relate to me because we have to hear the double-blind placebo-controlled studies and all the things that pharma has told us we need to hear. How do we prove that, right? So now there's going to be a a new study coming out, Joe Dispenza, I follow his work quite a bit. I do a lot of his practices. All about the world's largest study on meditation is going to be coming out very soon that proves if you go inside and you listen and you close your eyes and you go inside and you pay, not pay attention to your outside world and do that regularly with some guidance sometimes with people, that has pronounced effect on the body. Another one that I like now is breath work. We're seeing more about breath work, right? We could always go into yoga and things like that and exercise. People know that stuff. But like what I love right now is adopting breath work into your life because most of us don't breathe right. Most of us don't eat right. Most of us don't poop right. Most of us don't drink right. If we, if we change these things around a little bit, they make pronounced effects on the body. You can lower your blood pressure by 10 points systolic blood pressure by 10 points just by breathing right. So drugs can do some of those things, but what are the non-drug approaches that you can do consistently that just take a little work on your behalf to work? So I love breath work. I love mindfulness-based practices. 
a lot going on with psychedelic medicine and plant medicines and how they're changing the physiochemical principles of the body and getting some of that emotional stuff done. Obviously, you don't want to play around with that. It's not a recreational thing. But we're going to be talking about that too. Epigenetics, the genetic component, that's a huge one for me. That was a game changer for my own health and well-being. We go from this generalized approach. Let's take functional medicine, right? Omega-3s are good for the body. We all know that. They reduce inflammation, that kind of thing. And then you take it to, well, if I spit in a tube and I test my genomics and we'll go over the tests that I use and we'll go over how you can read it in, in a deep dive with our podcast, but it, the fundamental component is epigenetics. What does that mean? Is how do our genes interact with our current environment and how do those genes turn on and off? Not like a light switch, but more like a dimmer switch. So think of it this way. Everyone that has a cancer gene doesn't always get cancer. So the old way of thinking is my dad had blood pressure issues. My grandpa had blood pressure issues. There's a good chance I'm going to have it, right? That's the old way of thinking. So a lot of what we're going to be doing in this podcast is talking about traditional ways of thinking. And then what are the newer ways of thinking? So the newer ways of thinking for that perspective is, well, the signals I put into my body, nutritionally, emotionally, environmentally, physically, these good signals that I put in or bad ones, right? Do I eat crappy or do I eat good? Those signals actually key the genes into turning on certain pathways. So it's not the fact that you have the cancer gene. It's the fact that what are the signals coming in that might turn those things on to the point that are going to cause issues. And so that's the big game changer that we're talking about here. And a lot of people have probably done some genetic testing like 23andMe and then throw a health thing in and then they got a BRCA gene or some, some other gene that says that. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about how do our genetics interact with the environment. So what lifestyles... And what supplements or nutritional things should I be doing, lifestyle and supplementation and nutrition, that uh, specifically affect my genomic profile, not just one gene, how they all interact, and whether or not that's good or bad. So we're there now. And these tests aren't thousands upon thousands of dollars anymore. So for four or 500 bucks, you can get a whole genomic profile done that teaches you all the lifestyle and all the supplementation, all the nutrients that are really good for you that we now know that have clinical significance, and then they rate them. So there's high significance, low significance, and then inferred significance. And so for me, that's a game changer. And that's where I think we can start knocking 10 years of good quality life onto people's lives. Yeah, I think it is a big foundational fundamental change to, to health, well care, right? I think, I mean, that's kind of the, the premises of the show. So the challenge with that, though, is that I think it can be overwhelming for a lot of people and it can, people can feel like they don't know where to start or how to get started or, you know, what the steps are. So as we kind of round out this first episode, is there anything else that you feel is important? What do they do with this maybe newfound information or, or, or what, what can they carry into their daily lives that can help them to start taking the baby steps needed to, you know, making this a, a fundamental part of their life? Excellent question. The first piece I say is our insurance model, our westernized model, which is still necessary. We're not throwing it the baby out with the bathwater here, right? The insurance model 
is I call it the sick care model. You go to the doctor because you're sick. Very the insurance because people say, well, first question I always get is, well, my insurance pay for that. Well, your insurance pays for you to be sick. It doesn't pay for you to be well. So when we're moving to a well care model, we're really looking at a patient centered approach. One of my mentors, Sachin Patel, he's always said the doctor of the future is the patient. And what that means to me is we need to be our driver of our own healthcare. We don't want doctors to dictate the well side of what we do. Now, some of them are functional medicine providers like me, and we can dictate and then help guide them. But I think what's happening is we have to be educated, which is great because we have all these mediums to be educated. But then we also need someone to help guide us through those decisions because there's a litany of wellness providers out there and it can go woo woo. It can go completely science. And you're right. People don't know where to start. And so part of the premise of this place is what can we do that's safe, effective, does really no harm as best we can, right? What are the things we can do to educate ourselves? And then what are the avenues we can go to if that's something that resonates with me, right? So you can go down a, a rabbit hole here. If I want to go a rabbit hole down epigenetics, how, where do I go? I've studied this stuff for 15 years. And it's like, I, I'm all over this. And I, I always go, what does the science tell me? What have I seen in practice? So if I've used things, because it's not always just science-based, right? So it has to be a blend of what makes sense in the science, what's been proven. What have I used with little to no harm in practice, like omega-3s? There's probably science to say it's good for you, bad for you. A multivite, good for you, bad for you. Well, you got to go with where your heart is, what you believe, but then you also need guidance. So somebody that's been there a few steps ahead of you that understands that there is the science piece, like there's a science of wellness here. I just say wellness made simple. Simple doesn't always mean easy. So take a look at your nutrition, you know, take a look at your sleep habits, take a look at your exercise and movement, take a look at your relationships. What are the ones you need to get rid of that aren't serving you? Because that emotional stress is huge. And, and just taking a look at your mood and your behavior. So, you know, all your gut microbiome, we're going to talk about all this good stuff that really can help you. But I think it's getting down to basics and understanding some of those things. So like, what are the things you can do is take inventory first, right? Take inventory of your life and seeing, seeing what ones you, you feel are out of balance on a scale of one to 10. You can't rate it a seven because seven is okay. <laughs> Rated on a scale one to 10, how, how, how healthy am I eating? And if you don't know if your healthy habits or what to do, well, that's where you start finding people to, to, that are, are validated in the space, that have some authority in the space rather than just grabbing somebody that just knows stuff, right? I'm, I'm certified in functional medicine as a pharmacist through the Institute for Functional Medicine. All that really means is I'm a niche of a niche because I was the ninth pharmacist in the world to get certified under that modality from those people, whereas there's doctors and health coaches and nurses. And so I take wellness from a pharmacist lens or an ex-pharmacist lens and blend that into, which is why we call it beyond the pill. I have a lot of experience in the pill. I can't talk about that pill thing, right? Unless I've already been there and done that. 
And so now I've gotten on the side of well care and healing and understanding that there's a, a need for this, but it's not always what we're asking for. So for me, my charge here is what are the things we can do to minimize or even sometimes free ourselves of these medications because how good would that feel right like i said my mission is to de-prescribe through lifestyle supplementation personalized care to doing these things that we've been doing for a very long time that the science is now proving that can eliminate or reduce the dependency on those things and that's really what i'm here for that's why i'm charged up to do what i'm doing josh thank you so much for hanging out today this is fantastic I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Josh Rimini, R-I-M-A-N-Y. That's how you can find me. I'm on TikTok. I think it's beyond dot the pills. We got that going on now. So you like short form, you like long form. That's cool. You can always go to our website, dillworthdrug.com. That'll help get you to me. If you want to do a health strategy session, happy to do that. But really, you know, if you like this podcast, it's because you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and taking too many medications, and then you, you're looking for something more, something more that's not prescription related that you can do that's going to help your health and well-being. Thanks, guys, for hanging out today. Make sure you guys hit that follow button. And if you know somebody who is wanting to go beyond the pills, send them this link, and let's do it together. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Stay well. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Pills podcast. You can find Josh on LinkedIn and Facebook at Josh Rimini and on TikTok at Beyond the Pills. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be forever grateful if you left a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know somebody who wants to go beyond the pills, send them this episode. If you've got any specific questions or ideas for future episodes, reach out to Josh and send him a message. Thanks again for being a part of the Beyond the Pills community. We'll see you next time.